Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Merit Shop Messenger. I am Jen Huber, Senior Director of Chapter Relations and Information Management. Today, I will be speaking with Michelle Roberts-Bauer, President of the Heart of America Chapter, and Brian Sampson, President of the Empire State Chapter. Beginning of September, which means chapters will be opening their schools for their apprenticeship and craft training programs. Michelle and Brian are going to tell us how they're handling this in the current COVID environment. Good morning, Michelle and Brian. Thank you for being here. Good morning. Good morning, Jen. <laughs> All right, let's get right into it. So to start, uh, can you both tell us a little bit about your training programs? Michelle, let's start with you. Absolutely. We have two training facilities. One has folks in there. There's never more than 30 people in there at a time. The other facility is substantially larger um, and we're doing multiple trades. We'll have 14 classes, I think, running through that program this year. So we, our, our two our two training facilities are where most of our efforts are going for COVID protocols. And we are doing in-person. Last year we did hybrid where we had folks going one, one night in-person, one night virtual. And this year our traditional in-person classes will be held in person for, for the school year. Great. How about you, Brian? Yeah. So similar to, uh, MRB, we have four training facilities across the state of New York. Um, we do not have, I shouldn't say that, we have an ABC, Empire State Chapter Apprenticeship Program. However, we just got approved by the state, so we don't have any enrolled apprentices there. We do all the related instruction work for our member company apprentices. So across those four training facilities, um, we will have roughly 225 students enrolled um, we deliver classes in 11 different trades, um, have roughly 30 instructors that we will oversee. Much like MRB, uh, everything is going to be in person starting September 13th, except our electrical program. Um, we switched over to Mike Holt. That allows us to do much of that uh, virtually. So regular trades in the class for related instruction and uh, performance testing, electrical, virtual, um, with performance and test performance testing in person. Great. So in light of COVID, what type of safety protocols are you putting in place for your in-person classes? Michelle? So last year we did a health screen questionnaire before every single class. And so the students would fill that out and it would flash green if they were good to go or red if they were not um, six feet apart and masking. And that was the six feet apart and masking was, was really related to our late, late, our local ordinances. We had to have masks. It didn't matter how far apart you were. You had to be wearing masks in public in our locations. This year, we are going to be complying with our local ordinances. And right now, one of our facilities does have a mask mandate if you're not socially distanced. So that means that some of our classes will absolutely be wearing a mask because there's not enough room to ensure that they're all six feet apart. And 
some of them will be able to remove their mask in their classroom um, when they are seated at their desk. We went back and forth, and this was a pretty big decision because a lot of folks are really taking this opportunity to embrace virtual instruction. And I think that's awesome. We, we were able to partake in the uh, virtual instructor education programs that ABC National um, helped create and roll out for instructors. And our, our folks really liked that. But as we surveyed our students at the end of the year, they said, please let us come back to class full time. So right now that means that they're going to be wearing masks. So we're not doing temperature scans and we're not going to do a health questionnaire at every entrance. Everybody knows what the rules of the road are for quarantining at this point. So they will sign a personal statement of responsibility um, at the be- and waiver at the beginning of the year very similar to what ABC National creates. And we'll have signs all over the facilities and regular reminders of if you if you fall under these categories, you are supposed to call the education department and not come to class. Um, so that's that's really our, our leadership feels like we are far enough in the process that everybody knows what's going on. They know what the rules of the road are. And we will follow the local ordinances and lots of hand sanitization and everything else, but really creating as much space as possible, but only requiring masks where required by local ordinance. I would love for our situation to be as easy as that. Um, for those of you who don't pay attention to New York politics, we uh, lost a governor. Uh, the former governor was in the midst of a uh, health crisis in the fact that He may or may not have been manipulating COVID-related deaths. And um, as such, the legislature wasn't as trusting of the governor. So originally, we had the executive controlling all the rules. That no longer exists. It is a county-by-county basis. And just last night, our uh, commissioner of health came out with new guidelines for schools. And we, while we are not technically a school, we follow the guidelines relative to the school. So much like MRB, um, we're going to certainly have similar protocols that we had in place last time. So when the students show up, they're going to have to sign a document that says, you know, here, yes, I agree. I don't have any of these issues. I don't have any of these symptoms. We have to figure out whether we're going to do that once. Are we going to do that every time? We're not going to do temperature checks. We never did temperature checks. Um, because we largely kept people out of the buildings during COVID. So, you know, I think the things we're, we're tussling with right now, um, are we going to require masks? Are we not going to require masks? We're still trying to figure that out because it is now locally very different. For training facilities spread across the state of New York, our Western New York people may not have a mask mandate, but our Ron Konkama office may. So we have to figure out whether we want to do a universal policy that applies to everybody, or are we just going to stick to the regional? We haven't figured that out yet. We're, we're working on that. Are we going to ask people if they're vaccinated or not vaccinated? Are we going to require vaccination? Like there's just, it's in such utter flux at the moment. Um, and we have a little bit of time because our classes are going to start September 13th. But at the end of the day, what I can tell you is this, the protocols 
are going to be similar to what we had last year in that you have to certainly sign up and tell us, you know, how you're doing and what's going on um, and, and keep those documentations on file. Uh, Brian, I love that you said we have time because classes start September 13th. Um, our classes are going to be starting the week of September 20th. So although our first class is, anyway, we're talking about 10 days and in COVID times, that is a, basically a lifetime. Yep. Um, and so the fact of the matter is everything I just told you, and I'm sure this is true for Brian as well. Who knows if that's going to be true next week? Who knows if that's going to be true next week? We can always increase protocols if needed. We can always reduce them if the numbers plummet. I mean, everything we know about the Delta surge is that the numbers start to plummet. In other, in other countries, they have plummeted as fast as they rose. So I am choosing optimism that we're going to see that here. Our numbers are starting to fall. And we will bob and weave. And obviously, it's better to have safety protocols in place too long. But the instructors know that at any moment, the rules may change and will add requirements. And, and RB, spot on. I can tell you where I am today. And it can completely change based on the whims of government, based on the whims of numbers. So you, like, you want to have we have in our minds where we're going to be, but you want to almost wait until not the last moment, because God forbid, I mean, that's what government does to us. So we shouldn't do it to our members, our instructors and our students, but take as much time, ramp time as possible before you turn that loose, because you just don't want to put it out there and then immediately retract it with something um, that's probably more restrictive. So we're trying to walk this balancing act of, being as safe and cautious as possible without being overly restrictive, knowing that restrictive could come mm -hmm. and you just have to be ready for it. Yeah. So you mentioned your instructors, which made me think, how are you communicating with your members, your students and your instructors between now and the, the start of school? Yeah. You know, Jen, it's a great question. Um, and I'm going to try to only say that once today, that that was a great question, because Jen always has really good questions. She makes us think. Um, you know, right now, we've been pretty clear with our instructors. We give them contracts that they have to sign, agree to their wages, and, and all the other good stuff. So we've been telling them, you know, this is sort of where we are at the moment. This is what we've said to our members as they're signing up their apprentices. And then there'll be a final, rec you know, communication to the apprentices. So we've been fairly hey, just FYI, um, this is where we are today, but that could change. We'll keep you updated. Um, you know, I think the good news for us is much like MRB and other chapters, we, we put Flashpoint into play um, for an education software. So it, that platform is very dynamic and you can communicate out very quickly. Um, so the minute your information changes, you can be out there um, with the information. Absolutely. We use texting through Flashpoint quite often. As we have talked to students and sponsoring employers, the biggest questions have been, is it going to be in person? And are you going to require vaccines to come to school? And I have, and those I can answer 
fairly confidently. We are going to hold classes in person as much as we can. Like if we can hold classes in person legally, then we're going, then we're going to do that. So long as we still feel it's safe, we have a protocol in place based off of the number of students in a class that are positive on when we will send that class virtual. So we know when we, okay, if X happens, we're going to send a notice. If B happens, we're going to send this class virtual for X number of days. So we have a plan in place. We know what the emails are. We know what the messaging is. So the first time it happens, you're like, <gasps> but none of us are going through this for the first time at this point where everybody, you know, the emotions behind everything are much different than they were a year ago. Um, and we're not going to... I don't see us requiring a, a vaccine mandate. That's not something that masks. Yes. And they know that they wore masks all day, every day uh, for the past, you know, on job sites, that's pretty standard. They don't like it, but they'll do it. Um, and so everything else is we're going to do the best that we can to ensure that we have a safe environment to provide you the world-class training you have come to expect from associated builders and contractors. Our students asked that we do that in person. And so we're going to try to meet them in person to do that. See, and here's the wild thing. We're all chapters of ABC. We all have contractor members. We all have enrolled apprentices and how just vastly different it is, right? So, your apprentices said, hey, we want to come back in class. Our apprentices said, how long can you keep us virtual? Because they get the opportunity to travel now and go to jobs that they wouldn't normally get to go to because their class is online. So it's like, interesting. We you, you talk about distancing, right? And six feet apart and all this other good stuff. If we had to have all of our students six feet apart, we couldn't do it. Our facilities wouldn't allow it for some of those classes. So now you have this interesting scenario where CDC says, well, you know, maybe six feet was a little bit too much. Let's go to three feet. Well, then our Department of Health comes out and says, our State Department of Health comes out and says, well, you don't have to do social distancing if you have masks on. Well, or what the hell's the standard now? It's, it's just, it, it's going to change and be so dynamic that if, if there's one thing I think people should take out of this podcast, have your plans in place. Just like MRV said, if X happens, this is what we're going to do. I would always go to Y, but MRV went to B. If B happens, this is what we're going to do. Know what your scenarios are so you're ready for them and communicate them up front because it's going to be important because we all know if you drop something at the last minute, people are going to get mad. And by the way, if you tell them in advance, they're going to forget it and still get mad at you anyway, but at least you have a leg to stand on. Like Duke, we told you this stuff. We have, I think it's 26. I just did the quick math. I think we have 26 classes in our facilities. All but two of them will be able to be socially distanced. We last year, re, because, because of what was happening, because we were planning to remodel some of our classrooms anyway, and we literally 
knocked out walls between classrooms. We'll put the wall back at some point. Like there are literally classrooms that will have a wall added again. It is cheap to take down a wall. It is cheap to put a wall back. And that means that we can provide distance. And so we are, I understand incredibly how fortunate we are with that. Um, so any place that we can provide distance, we will. We're, and we'll just, if we have to do three feet instead of six, sure. But we're also like, hey, go to the training lab, you know. And we are still going to keep it. So I don't want folks going on break at the same time. This mm -hmm. class and that class should never meet. This class and that class should never meet. I want to limit the number of people that are going into a classroom. So we're not going to ask our instructors their vaccine status. We're not going to ask our students their vaccination status. I have, I know everybody on my, on my administrative staff's vaccination status. We were booking appointments together, to be quite honest. So it's much easier to say, yeah, you're fine to go into multiple classrooms and meet with the students and take care of them when you have that information. But if I'm not going to do anything with the vaccination status, I don't need to know it. I don't want to know it. I don't need to know it. I don't need that drama. I need to provide world-class construction craft training. But MRV, think about this. What happens to you if you're exposed to someone and you're vaccinated is different than what happens to you if you're unvaccinated and exposed. The quarantine periods are different. We yeah. are going to ask for their vaccination status. I'm not going to, I don't care, right? What your personal beliefs are or why you did or why you didn't. But we want to know what that is because to your point earlier, if I have plan X, Y, and Z, the vaccination status of the people in that classroom may dictate when I move from X to Y or Y to Z. So it's something yeah, to consider right. because right. it changes how you, maybe how quickly you might move, right? That class to going virtual. Yeah, no, you're 100% correct. And that's something that we're still trying to figure out right. when, like if we're going to, when they call and say, hey, I had a potential exposure. Well, if you had a potential exposure and you're vaccinated, the CDC says you don't have to currently today. God only knows what tomorrow is, but currently today you don't have to quarantine. So keep on coming. And so it's figuring out that verbiage. I don't want to, I don't want copies of vaccine cards. Nope. If we do, if we end up going back to a daily questionnaire, which is certainly a possibility there are several of them that say, if you're vaccinated, hit, you know, click this button and proceed to enter, right? You don't have to answer any of these. It doesn't matter if you've been exposed. It doesn't matter if you traveled. Go for it. Um, if you're not vaccinated, have you been exposed, blah, 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 and they click through these. And anybody who is looking at doing a daily questionnaire, I can send you the link. I highly, highly recommend doing it electronically. We had it set up. Um, it's not very expensive. I, it was less than $500 for all of our students for the entire year for every class last year. Um, they scanned a QR code at the front door. It pulled up the questions. They entered it. If they, answer, if they answered something that said, uh-oh, we might have a problem, it flashed red and said, stop, do not enter the building, call the education department at this number right now. 
Can you send me that, please? I absolutely can. If they if they answered all the questions, so the first one is, are you vaccinated? The answer is yes. Then it'll pop up green with their name and the date and the date. So then they, they say you are cool to enter. And then they walk in and they show their instructor their green phone screen with their name and date. And so it's funny, you walk into... Um, some of our classrooms and it'll still say up on the top, like it always has OJT hours due on the 15th. It's just a permanent fixture on our whiteboards. Right. Well, also show me your green screen. We don't want people messing with paper. We don't want the time. I don't want to lose it. So this way we have everybody's response in a spreadsheet and we know, we know that it's okay. As consensus builders, as association executives, we are consensus builders. We give people the questions. We help them find the answers so that they can serve their industry and create greatness, right? We're consensus builders and there is none with COVID. No matter what decision you make, somebody's going to be unhappy with it. It's going to be too much or too little for somebody. So, the best we can do is the best we can do. What can we do to try to keep our folks as safe as possible while still delivering quality education? That's it. And, and like that is such an important message for people to walk away from this is you're not going to have consensus. You're never going to reach consensus when it comes to this. I mean, COVID pandemics, mask mandates, vaccines, like it could split our membership in half and, you, you're never going to bridge that gap. But to your point, we have to be ready. And so some of the things we're doing in advance of that is we have four training facilities. None of our training facilities were equipped with cameras. So over the course of the summer, we took two rooms in every training facility and put cameras and microphones in them such that if we run into a situation where you know, MRV tests positive for COVID. She's asymptomatic, but you weren't vaccinated and we have to send you into quarantine for 14 days. Now you can still get your classroom. You can stay up to date with your classroom work because there's a camera in that room and your instructor can teach you. You just have to log on to Zoom or Google Classroom and you don't fall behind. So like that was one of the things we were looking to do you know, this year. The other part of it is also what happens when an instructor gets sick, right? And maybe they do become symptomatic and it puts them out for a little while. Those cameras now are important so that the instructor in our Long Island office can now teach the carpentry students in Buffalo. Their instructor went down. So it's like trying to figure out and be prepared for all of these things. And then what do you do um, you know, we had, we had cleaning protocols in place last time. Well, what have we learned from COVID? Well, you can't really get it from contact. I mean, if somebody walks around and licks your doorknobs, well, we got bigger issues there. But that's the only way you're going to get it. So you don't have to have such extreme cleaning protocols, but you got to have better communication protocols because things are going to change very quickly. And today the CDC says, hey, guess what? You're vaccinated. You don't have to isolate if you've been exposed. But I think what they're going to find out here at some point is our testing 
isn't where it needs to be. Our testing was put in place before we had vaccines. We're seeing a lot of these quote unquote breakthrough cases. Well, are they really breakthrough cases or are they people that maybe had COVID but got the vaccine, but now they're testing positive? And can you give that to someone? Like, I don't know all these things, but what I know is what our members have come to expect is we deliver that training for their apprentices. So we now have cameras in our classroom. We have Google Classroom set up. We have Zoom. We've got instructors that can now teach across multiple regions. I mean, I've heard a lot of our chapters are hiring instructors from other states. We're all going to have to start to look at that because instructors are harder and harder to find. So it's just nuts what it is just nuts brian i'm i'm intrigued and you had mentioned it before but i don't think i heard it or at least it didn't ping the right thing you said you've set your classrooms up so that if somebody tests it has an exposure somebody has to quarantine they're going to be able to hop in virtually to the course yes um we had i have concerns about having that all the time because I think that that's really hard on the instructor, right? Correct. Yep. But if you're talking about one person on there, you know, one or one person on quarantine, then that's that seems reasonable. How do you keep a student? Not that they ever would, but worst case scenario, I find it easier to hop in virtually. And so I have an exposure and then maybe the next month I have an exposure again. Yeah. It's the risk we run, right? Um, do we ask for the positive test? I suppose we could, but much like you, I don't want vaccine cards. I don't want positive test results hanging around. Well, and I, I guess include the employers are always included always. in all of our conversations. So that can sometimes help because if you're going to work, you can come to class. That is that is 100% correct. You're going to work, you can come to class. So it's convenient that you're working, but you're not. So that's interesting. I like that. There's lots of opportunities that we could do that. I will be bringing that up to my education committee as an option to consider. Well, so uh, you gave me an app that I'm going to use, and I give you a thought that you can. This is why we have these podcasts. Look at that. Look at that. I know that some of the chapters, um, or at least one of the chapters, was looking at having rapid tests on site that folks could take if they'd had a potential exposure. I don't think we're going to go there. I don't. I just worry about those rapid tests, too. I mean, the data is still somewhat, like, inconsistent. So, yeah. But, Emma, you and I were talking. You're looking at an air sanitizing system, Yes. Yes, we, we have been looking at air sanitizing systems. So there's a lot of different options. There's some that hook up to your HVAC system. Those are about $1,000 per HVAC. So that's, that's reasonable. Ask me how many HVAC systems we have in our building. We have, we have like 15, 16. Um, so that's, that's doable. If you, if you told me you can pay $15,000 and you will not have nobody, if somebody comes in with COVID, nobody else will possibly get it because you spent $15,000. I'd hand you the cash right now, but here's the problem. They can't, they can't, they can't say it. They, they, it might help. I, 
And then we also looked at another system. I think it used, I'm going to embarrass myself. Nobody Google this. It uses hydrogen. It does something. It's a different setup. It's installed in each room. That system was $90,000. Again, if you said, Michelle, for $90,000, we can guarantee that if somebody has the flu in your office, nobody else will get it. If somebody has COVID, nobody else will get it. I would do it, but they can't guarantee it. And so I don't know. I wish, I wish that COVID was something that we could just throw money at and make it go away. Well, the government sure is trying. <laughs> I... I would buy my way out of it, but at this point, I think, and we're going to discuss it more, I think that our best option is distancing and masks. At the end of the day, that's the one thing that seems very consistent, regardless of where you are. If you got a mask on and you're, you're distant, you're, you're pretty okay. And if you have the vaccine, you're even better. Thank you so much for this. Um, I think what I've learned is be prepared and have multiple plans in place for all types of scenarios. Yeah. And, and not only just like multiple scenarios within your, in what you can control, but you have multiple scenarios and plans for things that are completely outside of our control, like the crazy government in our, our various states or in, in DC. They can, they're the ones who are probably going to throw curveballs at us like it's nobody's business. I mean, well, on that note, I want to thank you both very much for your time today. Absolutely. Flexibility and the courage to lead. And that is, that's what it all comes down to, I think. And understand you don't have to go this alone. There are 69 chapters and education professionals in every one of those chapters. Do not feel like you're on an island. Reach out. Figure out what everybody's doing. There are, listen, MRB knows more about education, has forgotten more about education than I will ever know. I rely on her for a lot of stuff. There are people out there that just have got a knack for this stuff. Reach out to them. You don't have to create policies from scratch. You don't have to create protocols from scratch. It's out there. But you got to take it upon yourself to reach out and figure it out. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Michelle. Thanks, Thank Jen. You, Jen. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Merit Shop Messenger podcast. We hope you found it informational and helpful. If you have any comments or suggestions for future podcasts, please email us at meritshopmessenger at abc.org. Please stay safe and healthy. And thank you for all you do for our members and to support the Merit Shop construction. Thanks, guys.